You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Uh, Our topic today is purity culture. So if you grew up in the church in the 90s or the 2000s, you might be familiar with the book I Kiss Dating Goodbye or any of the concepts that come with it, purity rings, ceremonies, and so on and so forth. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about what purity culture is and then uh, how parents can approach teens and dating and sexuality in a gospel-centered way. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me uh, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey Donardo, who are the other members of our leadership team. Uh, our topic today is purity culture. So if you grew up in the church in the 90s and 2000s, you, you may be familiar with uh, the book I Kiss Dating Goodbye and, and purity rings and purity pledges and purity ceremonies and all of these uh, different sort of constructs that the church had to deal with sexuality, especially with teenagers and people who are unmarried. And uh, so the, we want to talk about it and uh, whether it was harmful, helpful, how the church should think about uh, that era of Christianity and then maybe helpful approaches going forward because uh, sexuality is an issue that's not going anywhere. So. Yeah, and probably unlike any of you, I know, unlike any of you, I was actually parenting during that time uh, with kids. And I get uh, the deep desire to protect my children from uh, what I felt like was going to be, could be damaging to them long term, whether it was anything, I mean, of, of anything. But, you know, for me personally, from my own history, uh, I was trying, I wanted to try to keep them. Uh, from uh, sexual mistakes that I thought could really hurt them. So I, I get how, and the purity culture is now, it was what we call it now, looking back on it. Uh, when it was happening, uh, I think it was just uh, purity rings. It was trying to figure out the best way to to uh, to date, whether you should right. court yeah. in groups. I mean, that's what uh, the, I, 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 I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was his idea. His idea is you go out, you go out in groups, and you get to know somebody, and then you know it was it was kind of a uh, a mix between you know the Eastern idea that parents pick a pick a spouse for you, and you I meet, like that idea. You meet them. Yeah, you, I actually <laughs> now at the stage uh, of I, did, I did a wedding. Teenagers. I did a wedding in in India, where it was the it was the second time they had seen each other, wow. and it was the first time they spoke was in the midst of their vows and. You know, the bride looked petrified. You know, yeah. I just remember thinking, <laughs> wow. So you got that, and then you got ours. You know, the American culture, which is basically saying you should uh, you should test drive as many cars yep. you, as yeah. you want to before you settle in on a car that you want to keep. You know, and uh, somewhere in between there, I think is where, where we should end up. But that's what the reaction was. Yeah, I, I think that. The point you're hitting on is an important one. I think there's a danger, even if it's a good thing, there's a danger in approaching the gospel with ulterior motives. And what I mean by that is I think mm-hmm. what happened in purity culture is you had parents saying, hey, we, you had you know, you know, had the coming out of the sexual revolution in that generation, right? And right. you had parents going, boy, we live that. We don't want that for you, right? right? Which I, I suppose they're right for, you know, not wanting that yeah. for their kids, right? And saying... You know, we we want you to uh, go about sex the right way, but that desire then informed a particular way of approaching what the gospel is and how we teach it. And and what happens when you do that 
is you end up with a version of the gospel that that is just not the gospel. And so what happens is, I think in the 90s and, and beyond, what happened was you became your sexual history. Right, right. That the message was, uh, God wants you to be a virgin until you're married. Those are the real Christians. And anyone outside of that, you know, fails. And, and then what happens is no longer is the main thing, do you love Jesus or not love right. Jesus, right? It becomes, ha- have you slept with someone or have you not? And so what began with maybe a, a good motivation with parents becomes a warped gospel. Absolutely. Right. Well, and it, then you're either someone that my standing with God is based on, yes, I am still a virgin, or... Oh, I blew it. So now I'm never going to be. What right. What do I even do? Do it. Where's the grace? And right. And then you also have the people that uh, that were able to maintain purity until they got married, and they thought that since they had pleased God That's and right. they had sacrificed for oh, Him, yeah. then they would have a good marriage. And then they get very, very disillusioned. Well, mm-hmm. I think that that might have been. You, you know, I, I I would when I think of purity culture, I think of two groups of people that were harmed the most. One is people who messed up. And were discarded, or made to feel less than, or, uh, or the people who, yeah, I think bought into this idea that if I don't have sex before I get married, when I get married, right. not only am I gonna have a great marriage, but my sex life is gonna be incredible and fulfilling, and and then they get married and it isn't that, and they feel as though they were lied to, yeah, yeah, and, and it, it's set up to not be. Uh, a good marriage because of kind of the false gospel that has crept mm-hmm. in. Yeah. So if we're going to like pivot now and talk about what what would way? be a what would be a healthy purity culture that I mean how are you guys as parents uh Stacy you have the oldest I do. and then uh, you guys uh, have kids Wh- what how do you how are you going to try to raise your kids in a in a culture that is still uh, sexually charged, um, and, and completely wrong in their view of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And you're going to say, this is right, but how do you instill in them a sense of the gospel uh, that's healthy? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was having a conversation with my, uh, one daughter the other day where she was even leaning into and pushing into the fact that Christians tend to make sexual, you know, sexuality and the sin of that, of whatever it might be, a much bigger thing than all of these other sins that people commit all the time. Right. right. And so I think there is something to be said for even just that balance and helping to continue just to point them to who Jesus is, what his intention and his desire and why his desire is for sex to be within marriage. And not that, yeah. okay. How do, you, how do you fight as a parent, though, from... Uh, you don't want to downgrade sexual sins. Do you, do you upgrade? Hey, lying is twice as bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good I point. I, no, I think, uh, I mean, I said this before we were recording, but, you know, it's interesting. We live in a culture now that really does define people based on their sexual proclivity yeah. or activity. You know, you are who you sleep with. Your identity is your sexual orientation, your sexual history. But that that really, in a lot of ways, came from the church because we we were saying you are a virgin or you're not, right? You 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 are who you've slept with. So, uh, you know, I think that the starting point would be to to move off of that identity to mm-hmm. say that that what matters most about you is where your heart is in relationship yeah. to Jesus. So, I think with you know my kids, it would be more or less about have you had sex or have you not had sex, and more about what are the things that would drive you towards right. sex? You know, the 
insecurity, the need for others to, you know, I, I just think that shallowness in our own walk with Jesus leads to shallow teaching for other people. Yeah, right? yeah actually, while you were talking, I started thinking about why we chose the word reimagine, mm-hmm. right? We chose the word reimagine to try to, uh, when we were talking about it in that room, when we first were hitting on that word, we were saying, oh, this is a word that can go into every oh, aspect yeah. of our lives and call us to real discipleship. So that's what you're saying with with your children as they begin to date. You can say, okay, how does Jesus inform yep. you? I mean, but that should be a conversation that should be just, uh, that should be the same as uh, how does Jesus inform you about how you should be a teammate mm-hmm. or how you should approach right. schooling right. or how you approach well, dating, and, and I right? Think the pushback and, is if you don't approach holistically right. that way, and the only area of your child's life yeah. you try to get that deep is their sexuality. They're going to see right through that. Right. Oh, but I'll flip it right. even more. If they don't see you struggling yeah. through what it looks like to do your life because of Jesus, right? then when you show up, and they're going to see through that, man, it just sounds like Jesus is a convenient way for you to police my sexuality. Right. Right. Like you are yeah. you are weaponizing Jesus to, to inhibit uh, my yeah. sexuality, uh, as opposed to saying, hey— Or, beha- or inhibit my behavior. That's right. Because it yeah. can go— As, into, as, as right. to say, right. culturally, as a yeah. family, our culture is, hey, the, the, the gospel of Jesus informs— Everything. And I think right. the challenge I would give to parents, and, and you know, in, in some ways, um, my wife and I are doing this with our five kids. In other ways, you know, we're on the beginnings. I mean, our oldest is yeah. 12, so we're, you know, not quite in this world yet. But uh, is— you know, I, I think if you buy into the culture and the way the culture thinks about teenagers and dating and all that, you know, Galatians 6 says, don't be mocked, you reap what you sow. So I think we we have to step back and say, hey, maybe we need just a whole new theology of being a teenager, of yep. what that looks like, of just being careful of the things we buy into and just do because that's what you do when you're, you know, I remember being in a lot of situations as a teenager growing up and I was a pretty rebellious kid and the things my parents would let me do under the banner of like, well, you're 16, this is what 16 year olds do and how I would kind of chuckle to myself and think, boy, you don't know what you're, you're enabling me or empowering me to do. And and I think stepping back and saying, hey, we need to increase the gospel culture, but we also need to look critically at the culture we live in and say, you know, are there some things as a family or as individuals that we just don't do because we follow? I mean, I tell my kids all the time, like, hey, we're going to run into all, all kinds of things that your friends do right. that we, that don't, we do don't do because we follow Jesus and they don't. Otherwise, following Jesus is meaningless. So, Yeah, give something uh, specific. Well, I think dating is a good one. I think stepping back and going, hey, we're not just going to jump right into right. you know my 16, 17-year-old going, well, this is what dating looks like, and saying, well, wait a minute, let's step back yeah. and go – not either like liberally saying, we'll just we'll do it however you want to do it, or conservatively going, I'm going to lock you up in a tower. up right, in a, right. But saying, hey, let's sit down and have a conversation as a family. What does it look like to engage this topic as a family who honors Jesus and who understands sin and yep. understands Satan and understands the danger and difficulty? And I think part of what I'm saying, too, is, and I think, Stacey, it seems like from a distance you do this is incorporating your kids in that conversation. Oh, goodness, yeah. Not just being top-down. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I would say, and I have great mentors in my life that helped guide what we are doing, and I don't know that it'll be it's the perfect way. But I think having... I <laughs> Jerry's, mean, Jerry's out. If you have yeah, any Jerry's thoughts out. on how it's we'll working see. out with the Donardos, please email. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think my husband and I, 
sat down and kind of laid out well before our kids were in the dating stages of saying, okay, this is kind of the age. This is what it would look like for wanting them to just build healthy relationships with other people in groups or that kind of thing. But then we also really want to extend freedom to have for there to be for them to experience what dating is when they are under our house, you know, still with us. Yeah. And I think the big part of it is um, I've been fortunate enough to, I think, have really great open, continuing conversation with my kids about what it looks like for them to be in relationship, to honor the people that they are in relationship with, um, to make it, you know, to be as healthy as it can. And even if there are mess ups or things that happen, that that doesn't mean that they are, you know, should be ashamed and that things are going to be broken in our household. Like it's okay. We all make mistakes. But also I think um, speaking into the fact that, hey, you're going to be like, I can't wait for you to be a teenager. I think the teenage years oftentimes get like, oh, it's going to be bad. Those teenage years are awful. And I don't know, speaking into the fact that like, hey, these can be some great years and I'm looking forward to doing them with you has been a good thing too. Do so. you uh, do you often talk about marriage with your kids? Like, do you, do you push them toward marriage? Do you, I think, because uh, that can sometimes mm-hmm. be even connected to the purity culture thing but yeah how do you how do you talk to your kids about marriage maybe that's a better better starting point good question yeah i mean i think that you know obviously my kids are younger but i do have a 10 year old uh daughter and an eight-year-old daughter and you know for whatever reason my 12 year old son doesn't think about this stuff all the time anytime or doesn't verbalize it but they do a lot and you know i think we're always saying i think we do have some language of if god wants you to be married. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important mm, to lead good. with that yeah. because I think their church is full of people who thought yeah. marriage was going to be part of their story and it wasn't, and maybe we're promised that. So I think we say, Hey, if the Lord wants you to be married, um, then marriage is the end goal. And everything we do should be aiming in that direction. Yeah. So that when my eighth grader says, Hey, can I ha- have a girlfriend? And we, you know, I might say, oh, I'm not sure this is in keeping with that long-term right. goal or, you know, and, and I think, but maybe reverse engineering. Hey, here's where we want to get. We want to get to you're the kind of person who can, as Stacy said, have a healthy relationship, who understands. And so there's a step process here, and it begins at this point. It looks like this, and articulating that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think also building in that any relationship that you have, the goal of it is to honor Christ and that the gospel needs to be informing every aspect of that. And so I don't know. I mean, we, yeah, I, I think that's great what you said if marriage is for you. Um, I don't know. I think the marriage conversation is something that we talk about often knowing that the only reason that you would date anyone is for marriage. So yeah, let's think about what that looks like through this lens. I think too, one of the things looking back on uh, my life personally, like with with the way my parents dealt with me is uh, I just went out with whoever I wanted to. They would, because I was a guy, they might never even meet her. Right. Mm. Um, I would say to you guys, if I could change anything and we, we did this as the kids got more serious about their relationships, but to incorporate the their uh, people they're interested in into your family and get your yeah. kids used to getting more eyes on them mm. yeah. than just that. Because, uh, you know, when you see like a. a when a teenager sees another teenager they're interested in romantically, uh, yeah, they, they're, they're looking through, a, through yeah. particular glasses that you, they, you may not 
agree yeah. with. And of, uh, we always, we're, as our kids got serious, we said, you should never marry anybody that everybody doesn't sign off on because we're a close family and it's going to mean something. Yep. So everybody well, needs to sign off. So get used to it. I was going to say, I don't know if I shared this on another podcast, but something that we build in again before the dating years was that um, if a guy wanted to date one of our daughters, they knew that that guy was going to need to talk to my husband first. And all that to say is that weeds out a lot of people right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're like, it takes some guts. Like yeah, I feel, I always feel bad. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. I feel so bad for him. But it, it I mean, that has been a helpful thing because again, out of the gate, there is a, hey, this is, we're all in this. We're a part of this. Yeah, group. I just, I remember uh, my daughter's husband, Sean, saying to me, and I had heard the story right before they walked into our house where he was going to meet meet me for the first time. My daughter said, uh, listen, don't fake it. My dad will know. And uh, he's the most impor- important man in my life, so don't mess it up. And then he, <laughs> then he opened the door and I was going, that was perfect. That's the way I want. I, yeah. you know, if somebody couldn't get through me, then they didn't deserve her. So Yeah, yeah I think one of the most powerful things that I have uh, ever heard or read about parenting uh, was said by, by Ted Tripp. And, and one of the things he talks about is the influence and authority scale. And I really think this is so helpful. And, and what he means by that is he says, hey, when you're a parent, you, you bring that baby home from the hospital. Your authority is at the highest point it's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And that baby depends on you yeah. for everything. But from that day until they're 18, your authority diminishes everything. Yep. Right. They over time, they learn I, you can't make me eat. You can't make me sleep. You can't make me go to the bathroom. You can't right there realizing uh, you you uh, are not as authoritative as they thought you were every day. Mm-hmm. So your authority is always diminishing. So so what Ted Tripp says is so from the very beginning, you better get busy about building influence with your kid. Mm-hmm. So that by the time they're 16 or 17 and your authority is really diminished, right? And you're having to say things like, as long as you live in my house. But even that statement is loaded with, well, I can move out, right? right, right. So so as your authority is, you need to have the kind of yeah. influence that when you say to them, I don't think that the way you're doing this is wise, that means something to them. What a lot of parents do, and, and Ted Tripp says this in his book, and I think it's a great uh, warning is they don't build that influence. And then when they find themselves in in crisis when it comes to dating yeah. or sex, they try to live off of authority and look that's why you get that's where you get Romeo and Juliet and everything that happens there, yeah. right? It just doesn't work. So I I think we have to get busy building influence in the lives of our kids and that that's your 2-year-old, your 4-year-old, yeah. your 6-year-old all the way up so that by the time you've earned trust and credibility so that when you say something it means something and one of the ways you do that I think is by, again, modeling the gospel for them and talking about the gospel. So, you know, uh, the issue of sexuality and dating and all of that is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, It's what floats above the water. Underneath that is how your kid thinks about sin, how they think about forgiveness, how they think about grace, how they think about, well, you can teach your two-year-old today those things. I mean, really, that's where we have to begin to see parenting. If you're listening to this podcast and you have just one toddler that you would see today as a brick in the yeah. wall, so to speak, of the foundation you're laying to engage them on these things. Purity culture made a, a lot of talks and messages and rings and books in the 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old years, everything. Gospel parenting sees every minute yeah. of every day as an opportunity to lay the foundation of Jesus at the center of your teenager's life. So as we wrap up, you know, we've talked a lot about parenting. Uh, is there anything that you all would say to, you know, the 20-something, 30-something who 
is now dealing with the ramifications of having grown up in the church during purity culture, maybe have, having been negatively impacted by it. How would we, how would you speak to, to that person? Yeah, I think the starting point would be to say you are not your sexual identity. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that that's the thing. That is that is the the Bible would say you're so much more than mm-hmm. than your sexual temptations, your sexual appetite and your sexual history. Whether you listen to this as someone who is a virgin and feels as though that means you're righteous yeah. and it doesn't, or you're someone who has messed up in the past and you feel as though you are worthless and you're not. You are more than that. Do not reduce yourself down to who you have slept with. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.